0: Welcome to the Nourishing Africa podcast. Today, we'll be discussing how entrepreneurs can create wealth through African tropical vegetables in 2020. We are joined by Victor Afari Sefa, Regional Director for Western Central Africa, responsible for coastal and humid regions, and Ralph Routard, senior scientist who's been leading the work on healthy diets at the World Vegetable Center. The World Vegetable Center conducts research, builds networks and carries out training and promotional activities to raise awareness of the role of vegetables for improved health and global poverty alleviation. Thank you, Rolf and Victor, for joining us. Studies have shown that vegetables and fruit consumption is far below the recommended rate in Africa, and it's often believed that the general high prices of fruits and vegetables are the major barriers to this. Do you agree? And what other factors are at play in this?
1: All right. Well, thank you very much for that question, Ify. Um, Yes, it's true that um, vegetable prices, uh, particularly high prices, can be an Im- impediment for fr- uh, vegetable consumption and, and for fr- fruits and vegetables together uh, because about 47 to 73% of uh, the budget of the average um, person living in sub Saharan Africa is spent on food. Uh, but out of that food, only 3 to 13 percent of the total household budget is spent on fruits and vegetables. So there is some room to maneuver. However, obviously, for the richer, it is not such a big challenge, but the poorest are suffering much more. But there's other, also other factors, I think, that we have to consider uh, apart from the affordability. I always look at the four A's, affordability, availability, accessibility, and acceptability. And so we shouldn't forget availab- availability as well, particularly seasonality. So, as, while fruits can be um, very um, inhibiting during uh, seasons of sh- shortage, it might be more available during uh, the glut season. So, it's actually that uh, fruit consumption is, is not stable throughout the year. And um, also, different people have different access to the fruits and vegetables. Mm. Uh, typically, in the capital cities, you have supermarkets where there 's plenty of fruits and vegetables available for the uh, medium to or high income groups there 's also these big markets where you can have an array of vegetables but sometimes in the ur- in the rural areas in remote areas, that accessibility is is far to, um, it, it's very far to find and then lastly acceptability. Um, Some people love vegetables, they are grown up with vegetables, others do not. And even within a household, you'll find that uh, the parents, they have have developed some preference from bitter-tasting vegetables, but children don't like it. Children all over the world actually don't like bitter vegetables. So you have to look at all these different A's, I think.
2: Yeah, um, I think that uh, I agree uh, with lots of the uh, points and arguments that Ralph has raised in response to this question. Um, but if you really want to look at the issue critically in terms of what you m- mentioned here as pricing, uh, then the, I think the major issue has been uh, also a lack of awareness of, of the nutritional importance of fruits and vegetables, which I think Ralph also alluded to. Because if you want to talk of pricing, yes, but uh, if you are aware of what the triple burden of malnutrition is, then of course the cost of treating these uh, are much more expensive than uh, just buying vegetables and fruit. So I think that in terms of real cost, uh, we, we need to look more into these and uh, not just uh, looking at pricing.
0: And building on what Ralph had said about the nature of and behavior of people, particularly when, eating, uh, when it comes to their eating habits. It's very hard to change eating habits or develop eating habits, particularly when you're not accustomed to eating vegetables and fruits within the household. What more can we do to increase the amount of uh, vegetables and fruit consumptions in households across the
1: continent? Yeah, again, that's a, that's a great uh, challenge. Um, I, I think first, very um, aware of whom is your, whom your whom's, um Uh, eating behavior you're trying to change. Are they adults or are they young people? Are they poor or are they rich? And I'm saying that because um, we see a a big change in terms of eating patterns. When people move to the urban areas, they have less time. Um, uh, People go for uh, food that is that is cool, that is considered cool, particularly by the younger um, population. But together with that eating habit, we see uh, a moving away from the, the healthy traditional diets that have vegetables to the, the fried foods, high carbon, high salt, uh, um, fast foods, which, which hardly have any vegetable uh, components in it. So, if we, depending on whom you want to target, for instance, the youth, I think you would have to be very clever and, and move away and, and move with the youth in terms of what, um, what connects their attention, like using social media, uh, providing recipes of easy fasts to cook food or, uh, or even using ambassadors. Like in Uganda, we used um, uh, Moses Golola, who is a, a kickboxer. And he is well-known for his kickboxing, of course, and he's a celebrity. But he's also always promoting healthy foods on his uh, Facebook and other social media. And that actually, that makes the youth tick. And that's, those are some of the avenues you can use to, to change food habits.
2: Okay, so building up on what Ralph said, uh, I think there are two levels here. One is what I already mentioned, is the promoting the nutritional importance of uh, vegetables and fruits so that people become more aware that it is uh, good for them to eat and not just uh, eating it as a, a kind of a snack or something like that. So once uh, that goes, but then complementary with that is actually how to make the vegetables more appealing to eat. You know, it's not easy uh, to convince everyone to eat vegetables as they will eat some of the staples. You know? mm-hmm. So there are different levels. And like Ralph said, uh, depending on the age category or the context, whether it's the rural or urban, um, different approaches are used in, in World Vegetable Center. We have uh, done in the past. I mean, uh, like uh, community rallies, for example, to promote vegetable importance of uh, vegetables. We've done also radio programming uh, with Farm uh, Radio International uh, in Tanzania, as far as I remember. We've also done cooking shows. Yeah, just like what Ralph is saying, using celebrities, but also using the youth, uh, doing vegetable cooking shows, competitions, and things just to. Promote this. And this is where we do all these cooking recipes, uh, different types of uh, recipes that are more appealing, like uh, preparing pumpkin cakes, uh, amaranth soup, uh, pumpkin soup, uh, things that are more appealing. There are also instances where, for example, you can mix some vegetables with fruits. For example, pineapple mixed with amaranth in the form of a fruit-vegetable cocktail you know, so to make it a bit more uh, sweeter for, for children, for example. So uh, there are several uh, approaches that have been done. And uh, again, when we talk of children, uh, Ralph, of course, uh, has been working uh, very well with uh, a lot of things, the healthy diet program. We do a lot of uh, school gardening. Now, the idea here is that if you teach children how to eat vegetables right from their childhood, it becomes part of them. And I have had example, when I first joined the World Vegetable Center, I traveled with all my, my colleagues in Asia, and when we were in Indonesia, for example, uh, my colleagues from Taiwan, when we were served meal, they would not eat if there were no vegetables. And I was surprised at the time. But this is it because they have learned right from their childhood how to eat vegetables and they have become part of their, their meal. And they know the importance of what it's supposed to be in terms of a balanced diet. So I think, yeah, the, the behavioral changes uh, cuts across uh, different uh, sectors. And uh, it's important to know what strategy works uh, within a particular context
0: that's
1: great yeah i think it's also important to know that uh, the world vegetable center uh, has a breeding program and sometimes looks specifically at the the taste uh, element of vegetables Um, i think most people know that when you you breed vegetables you breed for uh, uh, yield uh, characteristics and, um, um, and, and disease resistance, but you can actually also breed and select for whether a, a vegetable tastes well uh, or doesn't. And there's some particular leafy vegetables such as um, Daruma, uh, um, African nightshade, that doesn't have that bitter taste and our breeders have selected that and that's, we found it is particularly appealing to children who need it a, a lot, obviously.
0: Building on the breeding aspect, I mean, there are often times where critics will say that if you're modifying or if you are enhancing something out of its natural form, it's no, no longer has its nutritional value or it's lost. And, and oftentimes, some people say that's a myth. Could you debunk that in, 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 in furthering what you're saying about trying to breed um, vegetables and fruits for better taste? all?
1: Sure, yeah, that has um, that definitely has had its impact over the, the past uh, one or two centuries. The, the traditional vegetable breeding has been focusing on, on yield, so kilograms per meter or tons per hectare. And um, so what, what you're actually breeding for, if you're only looking at the yield, is volume. But you don't know what's in that volume and what has actually happened, that, that volume is mainly water. Um, we had our, our previous di- uh, director general, um, he actually called some of these vegetables water standing up because all that's, what, what's there, the, the, those huge cabbages, they're full of water. So I think we've reached a stage now where people are becoming more aware of nutrition, and uh, where we are actually looking at quality uh, rather than than volume and so we o- we not only want um, uh, the nutrition uh, we, we breed for nutrition but we also breed for taste and very often they are they are related if you have if you breed for more concentrations of mineral and vitamins you'll find that the taste also becomes better
0: so moving on to the business aspect of of growing uh, fruits and vegetables. Victor, the majority of consumers in Africa live in rural areas and grow their own fruits and crops and vegetables. Does it make sense to promote vegetable business if people can produce their own consumption?
2: Well, uh, the, the, the point is that uh, yes, a lot of people currently live in the rural areas. That is true. But uh, we've also had projections where it shows that by 2050, we we'll have about 56% of uh, population living in urban areas. So that means that agriculture needs to adjust itself in terms of uh, being more efficient and not just producing uh, f- f- food from the rural areas to the urban centers. So that's, that's, that's one thing. Now, having said that, what is uh, the real uh, issue in terms of uh, um, getting, uh, uh, achieving this goal? So uh, what really needs to be done is that uh, vegetables are very easy to grow, Yeah, but the f- fact is that they are uh, very difficult to grow well. Everybody can start getting into vegetables, but then once you start planting, you have pests and disease, you have safety issues. So that's where the specialization is needed. So yes, uh, there should still be some specialization and even in urban centers, yeah, there's now the move towards more protected cultivation you know, to avoid pests and diseases. And of course, even in some areas, not yet in Africa, but they are already getting into vegetal integration, uh, or vertical gardens. You know. So we, for example, are promoting things like SAC gardening already in urban centers, and of course, a uh, greenhouse production and all that just to debunk the fact that it's not only going to come from the rural areas. And then, of course, in terms of business, yes, vegetables are a very good uh, opportunity for business, especially the youth, because um, they have very high farm gate values per unit. Uh, compare them to maize or any other. So you don't need too much land to grow vegetables. The other thing that is attractive is that uh, it is uh, has a very short uh, growing cycle. I mean, talking of leafy vegetables, some of them within eight weeks are already matured and the maximum for the fruit and, and, and root vegetables is straight four months. So that is a very high turnover. Within a short time, people can easily grow and uh, produce vegetables and, uh, and make money, particularly for youth who are, who are looking for non-existent jobs in, yeah. in, in South African Africa. So I think are that aspect of specialization is it there. And of course, they are also related backward and forward linkages, you know, to industry services. There are a lot of people who can do, involved not directly in the production, but get into aggregation, marketing, processing opportunities for nursery production and for sale. So there, there are a lot of things that can be done uh, within the space.
1: Well, another thing that makes uh, vegetable business so attractive for youth is that it's uh, relatively technology-intensive, innovation-intensive. Um, Growing vegetables is much more challenging than growing maize, you know. And growing maize is, has always been, or other food crops, um, staple crops, have been associated with poverty and, and and boring traditions, although they are not. But vegetables, you, um, are, are, is, it's a very fast pace of innovation going on. Um, talking about uh, drip irrigation, but when you're talking about urban areas uh, there's a, there's um something what we call hydroponics now you can actually grow vegetables without soil and um it's very uh, uh, in different layers so you can actually have on on the fifth floor of an uh, of, of a building that's not being used you can um have a, a, your your drip irrigation some media for roots without soil and you know, some uh, fertility um uh, use some fertilizers and you can grow very high quality vegetables um, with relatively little investments. And I think those are things that we have to be very creative about and entice youth to, to capture those business opportunities. And as you said,
0: uh, rural urban migration is unstoppable and people are migrating to urban areas at rapid speeds. Uh, what effect does this currently have for the demand for vegetable products um, and How do you increase this demand given the the transformation? You had said that there are a lot of ways and new innovative ways to uh, look at growing vegetables, but how do we harness that in urban areas? As Victor had said, at times you don't need soil, you don't need large plots of land. So how does the regular individual or someone who is starting off in the vegetable and fruit business tap into urban development when it comes to fruit and vegetables?
2: uh in principle um you can um, invest for example in um, protected cultivation or greenhouses yeah, in urban areas uh, that's becoming very popular uh, so that's the one thing that can be done uh, the world vegetable center uh, there are things that we're doing for example in grafting in tomatoes yeah which can be done uh in, in a greenhouse setting uh and, and that's also also quite a compliment so uh, those are uh, some of the issues and like Raftor, we also talk looking at uh, what we call mobile gardens or an example for that is use of sacks yeah? or any object like used lorry or old lorry uh, sacks, uh, old wooden boxes. You just put in a soil medium and then uh, you can grow. Raft already mentioned hydroponics, which is just uh, water. You know, you need soil. So all these innovations are coming uh, but also around these what I call technical innovations there's also the need to look at the organizational innovations particularly on marketing yeah how do you aggregate produce so that uh, they can meet high value markets like supermarkets restaurants where the volumes demanded are high and cannot be produced or supplied by one, uh, one of the farmers and And I think in addition
1: to that, Victor, I think there's also opportunities for processed foods because more and more um, in, in urban areas, uh, people go for uh, fast food processed food that require less cooking time. So th- this is an untapped potential for another vegetable business, uh, vi- vegetable supply to to dry vegetables or to uh, uh, prepare them into um, uh, other products such as biscuits or cakes or flour so that people can easily uh, boil something or heat something or add some uh, cooked uh, hot water and they have a nutritious food. And, and I, think, I think more and more we see if, uh, eating habits moving into that space.
0: And given the external factors such as climate change and pests, do you have any advice for fruit and veg uh, producers who want to see greater production levels despite all of these challenges?
1: Yeah, so, so climate change and pests, I mean, the, the pest is always a big issue. And um, it's not only an issue in terms of pests, they reduce the, the yields of the, of the plant. But also if you use pesticide, obviously there's huge health, um, issues associated with uh, health issues in terms of the person applying the pesticide to the crop and not pr- protecting his or her own body or the consumers um, eating the, the vegetables that have been uh, sprayed with pest in an uh, in, inappropriate and un- professional way or even um, safety in terms of environment pesticide getting into the streams and other environments so it's, it's very important that, that people are educated, but that they also look, uh, use uh, a thing called uh, integrated pest management. And it's actually a very interesting way of um, starting with scouting your crop on a daily basis, looking at what is affecting my crop. And does it really need spraying, or can I wait something, or can I, does it need a chemical pesticide, or does it need uh, can I do uh, can I apply something very mild, such as uh, ordinary detergent? And um, and so those are things that make vegetable production very interesting, reduce the cost, and increase safety.
0: And lastly, to close off. For those who may want to get involved in, in production and processing of fruits and vegetables in Africa that may not have an agricultural background, what would you say the first step should be in moving forward?
2: I think that, uh, first of all, uh, what is critically important is the passion. Yeah. I think that uh, opportunities exist for. Um, getting involved in the vegetable value chain and then, of course, uh, in integrating vertically horizontally. But what is critical and have seen from experience is the passion. Now, IIT, for example, has what we call an, a youth agripreneur program, uh, where you have a lot of these uh, young graduates coming in from school and then they don't have jobs and then they, they are now um, put on training entrepreneurship, and then they have mostly on on fish farming, vegetable production, all kinds of uh, opportunities there. Now what they found is that mostly those who are successful are not even those who pursued agriculture. Uh, They had people who had uh, done other disciplines like medicine and pharmacy and things who have been found to be most successful. And I think that what uh, really drives this is, is the passion that you, you need to have. So you may even have a agricultural background. Of course, that is very important, the technical background know-how. But uh, this must be complemented with passion because uh, it's, a, it's a business, you know, and you need to be able to um, anticipate risk and, and all that issue. So just the knowledge in agriculture is not enough. But yes, awareness, creation, and then uh, all you need to do is to get the necessary training And the training, not just technical in agriculture, but also along um, institutional uh, innovations like uh, marketing options, um, produce aggregation, and how you can put the whole thing together as a business. But of course, there are specific skills that you require when it comes to things like doing integrated price management, one of the things for food safety that we just spoke about. So there you need uh, particular skills. But of course, in terms of being doing a business, you don't need to do that yourself. I'm talking here of somebody who wants to be an entrepreneur.
1: Yes. Yeah, th- yeah definitely. That both that passion and the, and the technical parts. Uh, I think I would add that um, you have to, a, a, as a starter or as somebody who wants to persist in the vegetable business, yeah, one thing that is critical is water. Without water, you can't grow vegetables. Uh, So you have to uh, invest in some kind of irrigation method so that you can actually grow vegetables throughout the year. Uh, Particularly, you can grow vegetables when the prices are high, when nobody else is uh, grows vegetables. Um, Victor, you already mentioned like uh, collective action, collective marketing. I think working together, particularly when you're beginning. Um, it's very important you want to market together so that you increase your bargaining power together you're stronger than when you're alone but also you want to learn from each other there's all some people who have found out some new technologies or who have been able to overcome a certain problem with pests and diseases that you can learn from and and when you share those uh, practices, you, can, you actually weigh, uh, you're a couple of steps uh, ahead and uh, it saves you a lot of um, uh, problems yourselves and a lot of failures. Um, and uh, yeah, lastly, I would say yeah, networking, uh, not only with other producers, but also um, with uh, uh, people who provide information such as government services, private sector and consumers.
0: Great. So, passion, networking, partnering, and water. Those would be the, the highlights and the key things to to ensure that anyone trying to engage in, in both the production and the increasing demand for food and vegetables need to engage in. For closing off, thank you to Victor and Ralph for this dynamic session. And we thank you for your time and we look forward to engaging with you in the Nourishing Africa community in the
1: future you're very welcome and thanks for inviting us
0: this has been a nourishing africa
1: podcast see you next time